0: This is episode 150 of the Option Podcast. We've got Carly Wopat, American professional beach volleyball player, firefighter, entrepreneur, smart girl, God knows what else. The episode starts right now. Now, I usually sing, I got to give the people what they want. Because that's what I do almost every episode But this episode For reasons <laughs> uh, personal to me I'm going to sing Just the good old boys <laughs> Never meaning no harm oh my Be all you never saw Been in trouble with the law since the day they were born Why am I singing that song? What is the relevance? This is a female volleyball player She is a cardio and muscular fitness guru She is a Stanford smart girl She's got the bronze I got the brains Let's make some money That's Carly Wood Wopat, oh, what's up?
1: Yes, I want that intro for every yes. thing I do in am now. Dude, <laughs> that was good.
0: And you shouldn't even have to buy it. No. You shouldn't even have to purchase it. No. Now, educate our fans on why. Oh, let's go live.
1: Why Edu- you sing that song? Now, ed-
0: yeah, let's educate our fans on why that song in particular. <laughs>
1: uh, my uncle is Tom Wopat. So my dad actually grew up on a farm in Wisconsin with... Eight brothers and one sister, and all of them uh, branched off and ended up doing incredible things. My uncle Tom uh, became Luke Duke on the Dukes of Hazard, and he also uh, branched out into Broadway as well afterwards. So, yeah, uh, cool. You were singing.
0: Yes. Well, songs. for me, giving away my age, um, it was kind of our, our, a lot of people's Friday night like Friday night, um, mm-hmm. back in the day, all right, and this, there was no cable, there was this TV, you had to get up and turn with a knob, right? <laughs> you, yeah. had to, you had to actually leave your couch and get up, get up and turn it on and off, right? Okay. Um, <laughs> you have a black and white TV. And if it says Batman in color, you're dumb enough to think it's in color, even though your TV's black and white. <laughs> uh, um, no, but our Friday nights were the Incredible Hulk, uh, um, Duke, the Dukes a uh, Hazard, and then Dallas. Yes. Mandela's.
1: Yeah, I've heard a lot of people say that the mm-hmm. Dukes of Hazzard are just a big part of their childhood and memories. So it's cool. I never actually, I haven't gotten to watch uh, yeah. the TV show before. So Yeah.
0: Well, I can but. say it's very ensemble. Like uh, Bo, you know, the blonde hair, blue eyed guy, he, he he was the handsome one, but I think woolpat should not be ignored either. Just two handsome dudes. But I call it ensemble because if you take... One of, the, one of those characters out. It's not as good. You take out mm. the sheriff, Roscoe P. Coltrane. You take out, out Boss Hogg, this guy, J.D. Hogg, who kind of like owns the town. I guess some some rich influencer. Um, you take out Daisy Duke. Come on. Come on. We got songs now. Come on, baby. Kick them daisies. Right. Look at them girl with a Daisy Duke song. Right there. Come on. They were talking about shorts <laughs> they're talking about <laughs> denim shorts so so you, yeah. you consider this ensemble cast that yeah that's that's i guess that's all i gotta say about that i'm gonna finish the sentence on that because i said it all <laughs> so for you and me let's let's talk present tense and maybe we can dial the clock back maybe we go from present and then hit the rewind button okay <laughs> sounds good let's go mother load
1: okay mother load
0: how talk to me? And I had John Mesko on the podcast. um Oh, you did on, on Monday? Yeah, two days ago.
1: Nice.
0: Um, he's he's like, I can't get over these freaking thirds. I go to muddle load, The best I can do is third. And I'm just like, well, tell me how you finish this week. He's like, I muddle load. He goes third. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Classy guy, right? Well,
1: we did a little bit better than
0: that. But. Yeah. So, talk to me about the environment. Talk Mm -hmm. to me about the atmosphere. Talk to me about the setup. Uh, The floor is yours.
1: Okay. So, first of all, this was my first time playing in the Motherlode. First time actually being in Aspen, Colorado in general. And we get off the airplane and we're just in this beautiful Alpine pocket of perfection, (laughs) pretty much. So, it's gorgeous. And... I feel like volleyball was just the icing on the cake. I was stoked. I was stoked to be there. Um, there was so many incredible people I got to meet. For me, that was uh, my favorite part of the whole trip was just the generosity and kindness. Um, Dan, uh, yeah, McCartney, Dan McCartney, McCartney, McCartney and then Corey
0: Brindell.
1: Um, Danny, the owner of Paradise Bakery, we connected with him, and he knows a lot of Santa Barbara people that we know. He was also on the men's U.S. national team, so I I had a connection with him there. And then just all the fans and residents of Aspen who talked to us and showed support and cheered us on. It was just such a cool... uh, place to be. Um, and then we would, I don't know, we biked around. Katie's aunt lives nearby. So she dropped off 2 e-bikes and we got to fully explore all of Aspen. We biked to, uh, um, Maroon Bells. It's this lake. It was about 10, a 10 mile bike ride and took ice baths in the Creek. So it, it was I don't know it was kind of like a dream, a dream volleyball vacation <laughs> mm. um, there were only three volleyball courts, which made it i think a lot more um,
0: there were would you would you say intimate
1: intimate yes, thank you yeah. you knew exactly what I was going for um, and the crowd was right up, I know next to the courts, so it. I don't know. I haven't played in a, I think a beach volleyball tournament quite like that. The Wapaka tournament, I'd say, was the most similar uh, in experience. But yeah, the I think those are my favorite. I don't know favorite atmospheres to play in.
0: Well, actually, let's take a look at some of the um, highlights a little bit. I got a little clip here. This is um this is set one. Just you having a good time. And you hear nice. the crowd.
1: Perfect set. Yeah. kill.
0: Yeah, tight game, right? Um, you played um, Lena Sokolowski and um, uh, Katie Piles, who are, who has, I think has a kid that's like almost one years old. So. Yes. Yeah, another stud, right? Has a baby, does like three sit-ups. <laughs> look, look, daddy got my six-pack back. Oh my you God. know? <laughs> Dude, that's my wife. And she had a kid, like, did a bunch of you know, four or five sit-ups and she's like, yeah, she's like, oh my God, I look fat. And I'm like, why don't you just go, why don't you go, why don't you go sit down? (laughs) Go go sit down somewhere. (laughs) So talk to me about playing with Katie. She's, um, you know, uh, we, you and I—we can talk about just about anything. But I, I, yeah. I, I like, I like starting with volleyball, and, and I think Katie's someone that shouldn't be—it would be podcast malpractice, right? To oh, not no, we mention how Katie. fun of a partner she is to play with. Uh, yes, I guess a partner where you don't have to like deal with your partner if you get my meaning. Yes, no, um,
1: Katie, it's like a privilege to play with her. So, we first of all we grew up together. We we're both uh, born and raised in Santa Barbara, California. So we started playing together around the age of 10 on club volleyball teams and continued growing and learning the sport all the way through high school. Um, She always was more focused, I think, on the beach side, and then I went to Stanford and played indoors. She went to Hawaii and played beach volleyball there, and now it's just because cool, our paths converge again and uh, we're back on the beach pursuing AVP tournaments and um, it's hard to find people to train with in Santa Barbara. So having Katie there, uh, she runs a beach volleyball club. It's called the East Beach Volleyball Academy. Yeah. Um, so having her there to train with and... Uh, compete with it's I know it's it's pretty perfect for me um, she's
0: she's a defensive wizard too like, yes she's yeah.
1: yeah so good um great ball control um amazing personality it's always just good vibes and positivity uh so yeah she's an awesome awesome partner to play with
0: I wish we can, like, clone three of her hmm. and show, like, some of these juniors just basic fundamentals on just, you know, I mean, there, there, there's a lot of exotic defensive schemes in this and that, but just basic, basic, like, facing the hitter on base one, on the one block, facing the hitter, uh, that fir- the importance of the first step. Crossover, Mm -hmm. Um, knowing that you don't really have to dive early for some balls, you're going for a ball. Um, She she does a really good job taking an extra step or an extra half step, and then and then touching, and then if she has to fall, follow through, whatever this and that. There's so many things that just look beautiful that just watching a girl play defense can draw small crowds. Usually crowds, small crowds are gathered by watching people warm up and bounce balls, you know, out of the sand and this and that. Yeah, but. Um, I, I, maybe because I'm a purist or maybe a lot of people share my sentiment and I'm pretty sure you, you share my sentiment. She can draw small crowds just just watching some of the balls she comes up with and is it unfair to say relative ease and how she does it? <laughs> or no. I mean, or maybe it's just hard and she makes it look easy. <laughs> right? Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> I agree. Yeah. No, I think she makes it look easy.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I think she's been doing it for so long and it's something she loves and with that you just become natural at it. So
0: yeah. Yeah. How did the, um, a lot of people talk about altitude and playing and playing in venues that have a high altitude and this and that, and I think it's 8,000 feet above sea, uh, sea level. Did that come into play in your conditioning at any point in the tournament?
1: You know, we came in, we actually flew in a day early, uh, with the intent to adjust to the altitude, and I was surprised; I didn't really feel it at all—no headaches, no lightheadedness. Um, but I did notice that when we were playing volleyball, after every rally, I had to catch my breath. So, and Katie felt the same way. You are just—we'd play out a rally, and then you are just breathing hard. But I was able to recover, I think, before the next point. So that is the only time. Um, I really noticed the altitude because it was a, a pretty drastic difference from where we're at to eight thousand feet. <laughs> yeah,
0: do you uh, watch mixed martial arts at all?
1: Uh, a little bit. I just got into some MMA okay. within the last year or so. Uh, the gym I work out at in Redondo Beach it's called King Harbor Fitness, and it's oh, a- King's MMA. No, King's okay. MMA is in Huntington. But that, right. we there's a small gym uh, in Redondo. Redondo yeah. Yes. Uh, it's called King Harbor Fitness, and it's basically turning into an MMA gym. And I uh, started doing jiu-jitsu and some boxing and became friends with a lot of these guys. And I've never had any interest in watching MMA or fighting uh, just because I don't think I understood the the sport of it right prior but once i started doing it uh and it wasn't just some one guy beating up another guy once i realized all the intricacies and um technique and stuff that goes into it then i got interested and started watching some mma fights and
0: and you're like wow i see it i get the why yeah
1: yeah, oh, I get well,
0: it. Well, the reason why I brought it up is because as a fighter, Fabrizio Perdomo, who who actually trains at Redonda, you might have very well met him there. Um, one of the biggest upsets in, in MMA was him beating the heavyweight champ Cain Velasquez, and it was because the fight was in Mexico, and I think it was like eleven thousand feet above sea level or some crazy stuff like that, and he went two months before. Oh, and he did the altitude training and you Didn't saw by the difference. time the second round came, Kane Velasquez, who's known for his gas tank, mm-hmm. um, was gassing, oh. uh, just taking these deep breaths and Fabricio, it seemed like. Deep water swimming, where there was some guy, like as the water got deeper, one guy was just swimming a little better and just dancing around and this and boxing him. And then finally, the third round, Kane's coaches said, You got to take him down. If you want recoverability, you got to take him down. Allows you to recoup, stay on top, or whatever. And as soon as he went to take him down, rent, rent, you know, he gave him his neck, and he ducked right into a guillotine. A- and Fabricio Verdum, um, as you continue to watch MMA and and, and maybe maybe even watch the re- reset button, mm-hmm. you'll see he was one. He's one of the best heavyweights of uh, submission specialists. Okay, there's there was for years it was a three horse race. It was him. It was one of the Noguero brothers and uh, a guy named Frank Mir, uh, but. Yeah, it's so weird. I didn't mean to go all the way over there. No, just to talk, I think it's just a, to talk about altitude. It's
1: interesting because I have, mm-hmm. <laughs> I have really yeah. uh, gotten interested into mm-hmm. uh, the martial arts. Yeah, and it's been fun to diversify my training a little bit. Now at the moment, I'm back to uh, focusing more on volleyball, just because we're at the tail end of our season. But I'm excited to get back into some jujitsu and
0: yeah so it's beautiful when you when you understand it and you see the movements Mm -hmm. my i mean my military service is what attracted me attracted me to that you know but nothing i've ever done in the military is as clean and as beautiful as 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 that we 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 train for survival you know but not not for competition that's probably why Mm -hmm. um but yeah, wow. Sorry to mean to stumble in the jiu-jitsu. I, yeah. was just try- I was just trying to use an example of altitude and just like being somewhere earlier where mm-hmm. g- training in a place where you're just more acclimated to the environment that gives you an advantage, Oh yeah, a volleyball advantage over over some other people. So you made the finals, right? Yes. motherload, and um, we were in the lost to Lena Sokolowski, mm-hmm. who I thought played really good at the end. I thought she got stronger at the end. And where a lot of people were waiting at the end. she she got stronger at the end of Katie Piles. Yeah. Um defending champs. So two yes, two in a row for them, yeah.
1: Previous year. Yes, yeah. that's right. It was a yeah, it was a three set match, a mm-hmm. battle. I feel like it was definitely a roller coaster of momentum. One team would kinda get an upper lead and then the other team would get a string of points. Um For Katie and I, we talked a lot about being patient and uh, knowing that, especially on defense, uh, our points would come, and they did at some good times. But looking back at the match, uh, I think, first of all, I think they played well. But I think we missed some serves at some critical times, uh, the ends of sets that could have made the difference uh, for us going to that three set or not.
0: Um, That was the first set. Yeah. Yeah, you'd missed three. You guys missed three out of the next four from um, 19 up.
1: Yeah. So if we won that first set, I think the match could have been ours because the second set we finished in uh, pretty clean fashion. And then the third set, we ran into some side-out trouble, and it was hard hard to crawl back after that. You kinda i think side out something uh that keeps you in the game and then defense is what allows you to win no no doubt, and pull ahead. yeah
0: but. yeah very much like indoor right offense scores points, but defense wins games, yeah, yeah, so you're down one set to zero, right mm-hmm. um very close game i think it was twenty four twenty two twenty three twenty one how what have you um over over in any sense overtime decision. What is the conversation you and Katie have with each other um, being down one set to zero, you're in the second set, this is the finals, right? Um, there's music playing, fans cheering, I'm asking stupid trivia questions cause I'm MCing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what is the conversation you have down one set to zero or do you not have one? You just, you, you, Do you guys know each other so long and so well where you just drink a little water and you get up and you, and you, and you get out there and blast
1: them? Well, I think we knew, we knew that first set, uh, was in our control and we gave it away at the end. Um, so we came together and one thing we're big on is just communication. Um, talking, they were serving us some middle balls and just the more you talk and hear your partner on the court next to you, the easier it is to, move and know what they're doing and make plays uh so i think we just emphasize communication and then smiling and reconnecting and having fun because we've done a lot of times we've done all the work to get to those points and i remember turning to katie and i'm like this is why we're here we're here for uh a battle in the championship match like this is what I this is exactly what I want. This is why we're here. Let's go. That's what we got all dressed up for, yeah. Yes. Um so we know we've done the work. It's just going out there and putting it all on the court and overall having a good time because uh, we love playing volleyball. So Yeah. Yeah. Gotta enjoy uh, it. Gotta I, enjoy the moment. Yeah.
0: There's definitely a sense of um I don't know how to say this. Romanticism. I mean, you you train and you and you put all these building blocks together, and and you want to be great technically and this and that. But there, there's definitely something that goes on beyond rhyme rhyme or reason mm-hmm. that defies logic that, um, makes you want to be in that situation. And like you just said, remind yourself. Yeah. No, this, I this think... is this is exactly where we want to be.
1: Yeah, I mm-hmm. think that. You said romanticism. I think that's what can be a deciding factor, that kind of uh, getting into that mental space in a match can be the deciding factor between winning or losing. Because a lot of times at the highest level, both teams have prepared and trained and they have the skills. Uh, They've worked hard to be there, but it comes down to the – uh, mental ability to just be fully present, get in the zone. Uh, I like to, uh, read about flow a lot, (laughs) just getting in the flow state. And I think that's where you're so concentrated and focused on the present task. Um, but free, uh, I know. I, I think you do. Just No,
0: yeah. I think you um, worded that perfectly, and I don't know. You feel compelled to to elaborate on what you already elaborated on. You don't really have to. I think. Okay. Um, I think I speak for everyone listening. They got it. Not for myself. I certainly got it. I just wanted to make sure. You know, you you um, tell me how you really felt. <laughs> yes. yes. So, I think. Yeah.
1: yeah. We, we just don't there's i think everyone has experienced matches where Mm -hmm. um you're not in that state of uh just playing knowing that you've earned the the chance to be there and you just need to go out and play play free and enjoy it i think we can get caught up in uh pressures or expectations so um for us uh refocusing on that uh is something we, we tried to do.
0: Cool. Now speaking for yourself as an individual, um, how well do you take care of your software?
1: Of my software.
0: I'll uh, I'll put it like this, all right? Hardware. Yeah. Obvious is obvious. Look at you. You're you're besides being this absolutely beautiful human being, um, you're the kind of girl that people want their son to date but their daughter not to fight. Oh my <laughs> <Uh-oh>. God, stop <laughs> No, <laughs> that's all a right. Good so, quote. so, I'll just go. Um, I'll just go. Obvious is obvious. Your hardware is fine, all right. You, 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 um, and we'll definitely have a discussion about nutrition and diet and stuff. Okay. Because I actually lost sixty-five pounds in a year, and, and that's so, amazing. So I know about Congrats. finding ways to look good, and, but you know, there the levels to this. How well are you taking care of your software? Like, I you, you have you you invest a lot of time and energy into this thing, mm-hmm. um, clearly not for the monetary benefit. Well, we're not going to explore. We can ex- certainly explore that later, but that's not what I'm talking about now. Yes. You want results to come with all this hard work, and sometimes those things don't happen your way. Mm-hmm. Mentally, how good are you are at compartmentalizing and saying, "All right, hey, back to the drawing board," or "Hey, um, I'm grieving." this sucks losing sucks i wanted to win this whole thing how good are you at hitting the reset button
1: the resilience the
0: hit the reset yeah. button. You no know, because everyone feels it's just a matter how long yes like i tell my kids you know uh because i oh, don't feel bad you play well I'm, I, I you know the parents and i'm like no let her feel bad <laughs> let yeah. her feel bad and, and, and you know but it and remind her it's a very fucking
1: temporary feeling mm-hmm. you
0: know and when it's done Hit the reset button. So do you get what I'm, I'm trying yeah. I'm trying to ask? Please, no. I'll give you the floor.
1: Okay. Um, I think I've gone to the point and I've trained myself to uh, – I, I wouldn't say I he, hit the reset button quickly, but I process things um, pretty quickly. And I still feel – I mean, after that championship loss, for example, I still felt all the – the disappointment and, uh, I don't know, all the feelings after after a tough loss. But I also have the understanding that it's essential and it's necessary for building and moving forward and making the kind of progress I'm looking for. Um, I think failure is just... Uh, a tool or information um for us and having that kind of uh, perspective on it is what really allows you to take that information uh look at that match and say okay so what did we do well and then what did we what do we need to improve on what was the difference like why why did we lose this game and then taking that information and and coming back and getting to work, uh, talking to coaches, uh, talking to your support system and making a plan on how to work on those things and get better. So the the losses are hard, but if you're winning all the time uh, and you're never challenged or you don't play against teams that expose your weaknesses, then you're never going to know you have them, I think, all the times so we just get uh, if you win, then you're content. You're like, okay, I won. If you lose, then you question. So those question marks, I think, are what drive you to grow. Yeah. Um, I so that. I think, uh, yeah, I'm kind of grateful grateful for, for the losses. And I think if you can, the more you compete, the more you get out there, uh, eventually you're going to... To start winning, but uh, you need to take those losses and use them. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, strong winds um, create good sailors. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was just smooth sailing. I mean, I, I mean, come on, I get that. Mm-hmm. I mean, so many things. You can need you need to break some eggs and make an omelet. I can go. I mean, yes. I can go. I can go on and on. But I totally get that. Well, the reason why I was asking is because we look at a lot of people who the sport kind of crushes them because mm-hmm. maybe they take a less cold approach than you, you know, and I, and I don't say cold in a bad way. Like uh, the word cold gets a bad rap, but it, it really doesn't when you're smarter, when you're smart. <laughs> 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 um, certain people that are driven more by passion than virtue when and this, this approach, what I was talking about with romanticism and, mm-hmm. and you got it right away. And I was, that was so cool. And I'm like, dude, good. She gets it. Um, we, I don't know. It's really, really difficult to, to convey this information and tell people. Like, I remember I was watching your profile and how devastated you were about Eric Zahn mm-hmm. and what happened to Eric Zahn in, in, in New York. and you, yeah. you were playing with Callahan, I think, at the time. And, um, and Zahn and I used to talk all the time. And Zahn would, he was just so random. Like, um, like I'm like, did you go, did you go to Central Park today? How, how was Central Park? Because I sent them to Central Park to say hi to some of the kids. Yeah. And he's like, I came with my dick in my hand. I'm just like. What? <laughs> Thank you. What? Uh-uh. How do you oh, respond You're like, oh, no. Well, you go, well, first you go, That's oh, cool. Funny. And then you go, wait, what?
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Though.
0: No, but yeah, I think what I was trying to say is that. He wasn't an old athlete he wasn't young or old he was he was a he was a, a true road dog yeah. and there are people in in this on our sport in his age and that are younger that might be going things maybe not as extreme as him but Their if they, if they women. don't take take care of that software
1: yeah it, know, could, it could F them up yeah this sport it's a it's a really challenging professional sport to be in and I think you have to come into it. When I first, when I first turned to beach volleyball, I was very passion driven. And uh, like we talked about the romanticism, um, the romanticism of the sport and the success that I dream of and I work towards um, that, that really drove me and it still drives me, but I think you have to understand and look at the big picture as well in the process of everything, uh, or else you get caught up in those lows and you're gonna, you're gonna take a lot of losses and it can hit your confidence and you can wonder like, why am I doing this? I'm broke (laughs) and I know chasing a ball around the world. Um, it doesn't make, a lot of times it just doesn't make logical sense. Uh, And that's where the, I don't know, having the ability to step back and take a look at the grand scheme of everything and what you're working towards and have patience, essentially. Know that uh, it's going to take time um, and you're going to You have to approach everything from the right standpoint, too. Um, So you need to build a team around you, find coaches, find uh, good players to practice with, uh, sports psychologists, people who can help you take care of your body. Uh, You really have to kind of approach it from a business standpoint. And then you have to have, um, I think, some other things going on in your life, too. Um, just build build everything around uh, this long haul. Um,
0: yeah, sustainability. Sustain-
1: yeah, right. it, and I think this is a sport where if you can stick with it long enough, you're going to find success. And if you look at a lot of the players who are starting, like a Molly Turner, for example, I've uh, I've watched her win tournaments this year, and I'm impressed because I started training with her in the P1440 groups back in, I think it was 20, 2018, 2018. Yeah. and she's she's gone through uh, her own adversities and challenges, but she's stuck with the sport, I think, when a lot of other people, a lot of us, uh, I don't know, just, I don't want to say give up, but again like logically it doesn't make sense a lot of times so you a lot of us will go do something else or or move or uh just set it aside and now she's getting those wins yeah and finding the success so this is a sport where you have to stick in it for the long haul and mm. having that <clears throat> that perspective is is what is going to take you all the way how, i think
0: how important is um Having people in your life <clears throat> and surrounding yourself with people who are um, not n- not necessarily consistent with your your own personal mission statement, but but will only only provide you good moral support, good physical support, and this and that. And when I say group uh, surrounding yourself with a group of people, I'm, I don't even mean just volleyball players. I mean, right? Like, like I got a whole bunch of ventures. Yeah, my wife's mad supportive. You know what I'm saying? The, the woman's my rock, in fact, because she mm-hmm. just like oh, do whatever you want to do. You know, I'm back. Like we, <laughs> actually, for both of us, we back each other either way. You know, she's in London right now, for Christ's sake. So, That's so crazy. um, how important? Obvious question, maybe even a rhetorical question, but but bears repeating if if not for its own sake. How important is it to have people in your life that help you produce, or only produce themselves. How important it is is it to have people? Like you finish second, but you come back. And you got maybe you got a karaoke crew Monday night, yeah, like we saw you play, or or mm-hmm. maybe you have a significant other, and maybe you just have family with different last names, or maybe you just have family, family. How important is it to have people like that in your life that um, allow you to maintain this sustainable volleyball energy?
1: I. Uh- It's essential. (laughs) I don't think you can do it without them. Um, One thing I think, I don't know, a growth or development for me personally has just been um, my openness, I think, to uh, family members, friends, people around me. I've just gotten a lot more open uh, within the last year or two years and... Um, uh, I've noticed changes, I guess, in my, it's hard to say, but you're, I think we keep a lot of our own, we keep a lot of thoughts and ambitions and doubts and things to ourselves. And when you vocalize it to other people, one, you can see their reactions. Um, and two, you get different perspectives and opinions than your own. So it's really, it's opening. Um, if you're trying to make a decision, for example, and you're having a really hard time, just go bounce it off a bunch of people, see what, see what they think, see what they say. And you gather, you gather a lot of data. Um, so, I've realized that the more I talk to people and I connect with them and if I'm struggling with something, trying to make a decision or I know I'm um, uncertain about something, it, in the act of explaining it to them, um, I a lot of times I'll like figure it out just by talking about it. They don't even have to say a word but uh again, I can I think uh people are sort of like mirrors um to ourselves, and uh, you can just gather a lot of information and find the answers you're looking for if you go open up and and talk so
0: isn't that the challenge?
1: Yes, it's the challenge because we as athletes and are al- so athletes. I think we're so afraid uh because it's being vulnerable too um. And, and guys 10 times more than girls yes yes so but talking about software like you mentioned um i think it's important to talk to people and if you're seeing a therapist or psychologist that's great if you're able to talk to uh, family members or a partner or a loved one that works too as long as you're talking um well, it's
0: the reason why I brought up the question is because I did see a massive concern on your part when we learned about, you know, R.I.P., my guy, Eric's, Eric's passing, mm-hmm. um, that I think we share the same concern that even like, like you look at Whitmarsh, right, Mike Whitmarsh, another, another guy who ended his own life, um, Jaden's father, um, silver medalist with Mike Dodd. Nineteen ninety six no, Olympics. I actually, haven't. yeah. Um, you look at him. You look at there's another uh, a student athlete at Stanford that mm-hmm. killed herself. To say that we didn't see it coming is 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 an honest thing.
1: Yes, like
0: know. even like Eric's closest friend. And I think, like you said, because we hide these vulnerabilities. We don't want to admit this weakness. And I emphasize, can't emphasize enough guys more so, you know, speaking yeah. as a guy and my experience with guys, um, I think, is that a, the reason why people don't see it coming? Probably, it's a, you know?
1: sh- yes. And for like, there's a lot of shame that we feel, um, yeah, around things. And I think, I mean, for me to, I, we all, uh, struggle with it. Mm-hmm with shame around certain feelings or parts of our I think it's because we parts of think our lives. people don't care. Well, no, I think, I think we think people care too much. The thing is pe- people actually don't care nearly as much as we think they do about any, anything we do. Right. <laughs> and we blow, blow up um, situations in our own minds. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you go talk to, talk to people, you realize one like it's it's not nearly as uh, significant a, of an issue as I'm making it in my own head, and then two, there's so many you're there's so many options and opportunities. You're not stuck. It's just uh, how we perceive it in that moment. So I think a lot of people get um, stuck in in a low moment or a hard time and they don't have the i don't know they aren't they don't have the tools or they don't quite have the abilities to reach out and get get out of that uh hole in that moment so yeah i
0: didn't i didn't mean to make the podcast be so damn somber i think i just think the message i'm trying to send and that and i and i i one of the reasons I'm glad you're on is but that it you happens, co- think you, you co signed that message. Yeah, it yeah.
1: happens. I think to a lot of high achievers too. Yeah, because again, uh, the expectations a lot of times are set pretty high in in the our own heads. Um, standards are high, and then uh, failure specifically can uh, appear to be. Uh, debilitating or just I don't know yeah. uh, devastating in a sense
0: I and, think yeah,
1: and then you feel like you're letting letting people down so uh, I think that's I't know something you definitely have to look out for, especially as you I don't know you see student athletes uh, reaching higher heights or even professional Professionals and in, in anything, the higher you go, the more mentally challenging it is going to be, and the yeah. higher the expectations and standard, standards are. And it should, I mean, that's what drives you to to be great. But you have to have the the software, yeah. um, tools, and abilities to to cope with everything that comes with it, because it's not yeah. going to be easy. <laughs>
0: No, what? Cole Fears was on my podcast a year ago. Um, and Stanford guy, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, first year the volleyball uh, kind of it, it became too much, but lucky for him, he you know, again he had a group of people who cared about him and he was allowed to hit the reset button. He's he's playing a little bit of beach here and there, whatever. Um him and Hagen Smith played played together for like two years. Okay n v l and this and that in sixteen and seventeen. Um, I really like him. Another smart guy. I, like, I guess I'm just attracted to smart people. Um, and yeah, it's. I think as long as people know that someone cares about them, that's important too. Like I had this weird dream and I told Wendy Jones think, this.
1: Yeah, when you... Like
0: sometimes you said something about caring too much, but I, I, it's so weird. Like I had this weird dream. I'm in a New York train station, right? And it's like empty mm-hmm. and there's a bathtub. In, in, in the train station somewhere, right? And there's this kid, probably like maybe less than one years old, goes into the bathtub, climbs into the bathtub, topples, sinks in, and I'm just like looking around, like please say there's no water in there, right? And please say this kid's not drowning or whatever. So I'm running to the tub, and I go to the tub, and this kid looks back up at me, and he's drowning, like exhaling bubbles, inhaling whatever, and he has this look in his eye, like like it's okay, you know, just like. You know, just let me, whatever. And it, this dream haunted me. It haunted me for months and months and months. Um, And I'm still trying to compartmentalize the why, but common denominator, the net result is support your friends, right? Just if you haven't, if you haven't talked to someone in a long time, just call them, say, what's up? Tell them I love them. Mm -hmm. Tell them I love you. You know, so do take take care of each other. I'm I'm not even sure about the message itself, but I'm just like, dude talk to your friends. Just let people
1: know you're yes. thinking about them. Yes. No, and I've I'm a big proponent of that. If somebody I took everything I could not to cry, i almost <laughs> cried right now. I'm so sorry. Yeah. No. If somebody if somebody comes into your mm-hmm. mind for some reason, um, reach out to them. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, I don't know if there's i mean I do believe in uh like spirituality and energies and stuff, but there might be something there, and I've heard enough stories uh where people have felt an inclination to to call someone up and it they call them at just the right time. I think there's a lot of uh coincidence it's classic romanticism yeah it
0: defies logic and sensibility and it's right but yet it's right yeah
1: Yeah. so i think uh yeah if somebody if you're thinking about someone and you feel feel the urge to reach out to them give them a phone call and just let them know you're thinking about them and it might it might be a big difference
0: well damn girl didn't think you'd be talking about all this today huh She's like, "What you? I don't know. You never can tell. Never You're know. kind of a weird guy. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit of something about fun. You're a sucker for romantic novels, right? Oh, my God. I mean, romantic movies or not?
1: Romantic movies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no really okay, like romantic so Romantic f- movies.
0: So I'm going to do something fun. Okay. Um, I'm just going to say what's your favorite romantic movie, uh, but you can answer the first one that came to your mind. It might not even be your favorite. What was the first one that came to your
1: mind right now? Titanic. Titanic? Yeah. Nice. I remember watching that when I was a kid and I loved it.
0: Yeah. Um, mine, mine was, um, I really, not my favorite, but first one that came to my mind right now, Jerry Maguire. Um really? <laughs> Yeah. Jerry Maguire. I mean, it's so romantic in so many ways. It, that it, agent turned into friend, girlfriend turned into, you know, a work associate turned into lover. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I i i'm a sucker for those two a little bit too yeah, yeah. I, i'm guilty guilty as charged and and there's probably not even my favorite one it's just you know you like romantic movies if you gave an answer that retrospectively you found out wasn't really your favorite but you just you just like so many of them
1: so yeah no no i've been right now i've just been trying to think what's my favorite one I don't know if I have a favorite one. No, but
0: I could go back. Really, I can go back to *Romancing the Stone* (1984). That's like Michael Douglas and Kathleen Turner.
1: Also, that's that's adventurous. I too. think you could take say a lot of movies that aren't traditionally dubbed as a romance movie could be a romantic movie. Like, I really like the movie *Gladiator*.
0: Yeah, that's and, very romantic. And then though. if you
1: think about it, yeah, you're like, that's a very romantic movie. Like his his family gets killed and he uh, gets shipped off to to become a gladiator and the whole time he's just thinking about uh yeah i know
0: that was talk about someone that had a a nice healthy mixture of being driven by passion and virtue huh yeah gladiator i give you ladies and gentlemen i give you gladiator (laughs) (laughs) are you are you not entertained
1: (laughs) yes no i love that movie no but i think it's just because it makes you uh feel i don't know yeah gives you all the feels and
0: uh, i get that from game of thrones
1: yeah you do yeah you could uh, say that and, and my own
0: way. since we're talking about understanding room um not romanticism but just like romantic uh, um um bits yeah and and these otherwise extremely um, what we consider people violent violent shows and movies, but I love yeah. I love me some Game of Thrones.
1: Also, Avatar is a good romance. Yeah, I think just the I mean, love is pretty much the sit that sits at the core of our human experience. So, um, movies that incorporate that into their overall story uh, mm-hmm. resonates. I think big time deeper with us
0: yeah so you like are you watching house of the dragon no no
1: no i don't really watch a lot of tv no no
0: okay did you watch game of thrones though
1: i did uh i watched some in college and i did really like game of thrones Uh, cool
0: yeah you um back to volleyball <laughs> you um i noticed you like your v- bvb page you didn't play a lot in 2021 where were
1: you haha <laughs> i didn't play at all in 2021 i i was in la city's fire academy so it's quite a story but in 2020 um uh, that's when the covid pandemic hit and up to that point, I was playing on the beach volleyball tour, training a lot. Um, the beginning of 2020 was a, a great period of growth for me. I started working with Anna Collier, and I was savage. training. Yeah, she was a savage. And I was training with a lot of the players that I respected and wanted to play with, like Sarah Hughes and April and Alex, as they were getting ready for the Olympics. Um So, uh, I was very inspired, um, just had a lot of good momentum, I think, going for me. So, when the pandemic hit, it was pretty devastating looking back, Uh, and like so many other professional athletes, I think I was uh, kind of at a loss with what to do. We couldn't do, we couldn't go out and play, we couldn't train, I was peppering against the wall, the in my backyard, trying to keep my touch. (laughs) Um, and I hate wasted time. So I was looking at this period of uncertainty with no tournaments, no training, um, no competition. And I started to question, uh, what I was doing. Um, firefighting is a career that I had been interested in for, Years, I remember telling uh, my teammates on the national team, I think I want to be a firefighter, and they they would look at me oddly, and then they would be like, "Wait, I think you'd be really good at that." <laughs> um, but a lot of uh, firefighters I'd talked to had said they thought it would be a really good career for me, and it's it had been spoken enough mm-hmm. to my face that I really started to um, think, okay, this is something I should look into. So. I went to a recruitment seminar uh, that the LEFD was holding uh, years previous when I was still on the indoor national team just to learn more about what the job entailed. And I remember walking out just in awe because it felt like the perfect job for me. Um, I feel like there's there's a lot... uh, to offer with professional sports, but um, for me personally, there's more I I want to do with my life and more I feel I can give back to the world. So firefighting, uh, for me, uh, I feel like it fits a lot of those other pieces uh, that I'm looking for. Um, so fast forward back to COVID, uh, now I had this opportunity basically to dive into this career and, uh, go after it. Stay focused. Yeah. Yeah. So it was scary because I knew that once I started, uh, it was going to take a lot of commitment, a lot of dedication and time. And I was not going to be able to train and compete, um, like I had been. And like, I, I still wanted to, but, um, I also told myself, okay, volleyball is always going to be there and I can go back to it. But I think we learn the most uh, through experiences and through taking risks and going and doing, and ultimately, uh, I could only gain from going after it um, no matter what happened. So I went for it, and I took- You're right on the logic. Yeah, I took four (laughs) fire science and technology courses online. Uh and those were prerequisites to get into a private fire academy at El Camino College. So I did a five month fire academy in two thousand twenty. Uh basically it's a boot camp, very paramilitary. You're there from five AM to five PM every day, uh, doing a lot of uh physical training. Uh, learning fire skills, learning how to use equipment, tools, uh, apparatus. Um, it's not easy. A lot of people do, do fail, actually. Yeah. Um, but I graduated uh, from that academy, and then I got hired by LA City in 2021, and I had to go through their fire academy too, so another five-month boot camp. Um, and it, LA city is known for being one of the best, uh, fire departments in the world. It's one of the most busy, uh, fire departments, very high call volume, and there's a lot of variety of calls. So you have fires, you have car crashes, uh, gunshot wounds, stabbings, um, hikers getting stuck. Uh, yeah, in the hills, uh, dude. I watch nine one one. Yeah, no, li- literally everything that you, <clears throat> you respond to. So uh, that that kind of call volume and demand makes them one of the best because they have all those experiences. Um, and then there's also just high standards, and what they teach is. Um, It's very thought out, very detailed, and that's what they instill in you during the five month Fire Academy. Um, So, went through that in 2021. That's what I was doing. Nice. And then I hit the field. Good
0: good day to take a week off. We can. (laughs) Honestly, we. <clears throat> off camera and weeks to come can certainly have a discussion on some of the training and this and that. Like um I'm ex military. I did boot camp in Fort Knox. Oh yeah, you get um, it. And I did um AIT.
1: But it's a lot of mental training too. Yeah. yeah. Oh of course.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you have to. There's without the mental
1: They need to know that you're
0: how they're supposed to push your physical limits if you're not mentally strong enough. I mean there's yeah. so they're not they're not they're they're kissing cousins, <laughs> right? Yeah. Then even if they're not married to each other, they're related, right? They're kissing cousins. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But AIT, um, the military after boot camp is another, like you said, more boot camp type stuff. Um, that was an, that was for another four months after boot camp where I learned about um, diesel generators, small engine repair, electronic maintenance, stuff like that. Oh, so nice. very much the way you're learning about your occupational specialty. Mm-hmm. Um, after boot camp, you go to something where you train for your MOS, military occupational specialty. so nice. um certainly a bunch of similarities on that that, that probably the, fan, the people listening they're like who cares but but it's something i wanted to bring up because I'm, I'm sure you and i could have a lot of fun talking about some of that stuff i, oh, yeah. that, I think it'd be really cool <clears throat> so that's where you were in 2021 yes yeah i do remember in 2020 they had the series in long beach and you uh, you were playing with um teagues, Callahan. Hmm? The oh, teagues Brittany teagues, teagues that's yeah. right yeah.
1: I played in those fatigues. She seems like a chill right at... <laughs> Yeah. No, she's cool. She's fun to play with.
0: So I have a couple of lightning round questions, sixty seconds to answer. Okay. But I want to show a picture first. Look look at this girl. Look at this girl showing oh, off man. showing off her volleyball. Me holding my volleyball. Yeah. So Jason, do you think I look fat? yeah, I'm mm. like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, hey baby, you fat? <laughs> P- P-H-A-T, You you fat? <laughs>
1: You're wild.
0: I'm a little bit weird. Um, <laughs> uh, I am unapologetically. That's good. So sixty second lightning round question. There, some of them are repeat questions I told the other guests, but I like your take. Okay. So let's let's actually. Oh, let's set up the clock. Let's set up the clock.
1: Oh, we actually time it. Yeah. Pressure is on
0: dude the fans like it so there it is there's our clock all right 60 seconds um i had this conversation with other people regarding the ncaa going to 16 teams for beach volleyball right um however they're going single elimination so 60 seconds i want you to do um talk about thumbs up thumbs down on both those categories and why so the question is um, thumbs up thumbs down on the 16 team expansion or thumbs up and thumbs up and thumbs down on single elimination the floor is yours boom
1: I don't know anything about this so what <laughs> so so
0: hypothetically if if you you okay, found out so, the NCAA went from 8 to 16 8 teams. to
1: 16 teams I'm thinking okay more opportunity for competition I uh, it is more travel, probably more expensive. Um, but overall, I think expanding is good. So thumbs up. And then single elimination. This is the NCAA tournament. Um, I think thumbs down. Just because I've experienced single elimination in some of my own competitions. and For indoor, yeah. Yes. Um, and I think if you really want to see who the best team is in the end... Uh, it's double, I don't know, double elimination is a lot more, um, what's the word, uh, works out correctly, I think.
0: Definitely. I like that. Talk about timing. Oh, no, the horn was supposed to go off front zero. (laughs) I have a horn It's like beep, beep when it's done. Oh, really? All right, cool. Well, I'll go now. So... Very much like you, I go thumbs up on the 16-team format. If you want to expand the sport and you want to make the sport um, bigger and greater or whatever, you need more teams in the competition. And now they have yes. more teams in NCAA. Mathematically correct, logically correct, sensibly correct. And, and from a romanticism, not with, notwithstanding or standing, it's right. Yes. Um, <clears throat> now here's the problem I have with the single elimination. Like there's so many volleyball institutions like the AVP and other other volleyball companies that showed how you can do double elimination in, th- in a three day period, right? The mm-hmm. AVP they not only shown that they 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 banked their career or their 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 um, their brand on that. So mm-hmm. they showed how easy it is to do in three days. And the NCAA tournaments three days anyway. So why not just have you have five courts, right? Let's just do five courts. Let's just do let's just do that. You know. And so part of me feels that when the, the other part. You know, I'm a long-time indoor volleyball player, and like seeing the NCAA men's team only has like seven teams, and that's single limitation. So, so there's this part of me that's like, wah wah wah, cry me a river, <laughs> you know. But no, nah, I gotta go with you on that. And there's a the horn. Finally, there's there's. A
1: horn. Oh, I was like, what is that? Yeah. Okay.
0: So next lightning see. round question. You said the volleyball, beach volleyball, compared to indoor, is like freedom. Yes is like freedom talk to me 60 seconds why and and you a lot the rest of the time for me if you want maybe it's a simple answer okay but talk to some of the things why beach volleyball is freedom your guys for the people listening longtime indoor um player uh four-year starter at stanford right two-time mm-hmm. three-time all-american first team right were you an yeah. oh outside hitter oh middle blocker Oh, you're a middle blocker? Yeah. Wow. Thankless freaking job, dude. Thankless job. Except dude, I demanded she says, to be set all the time. Yes. So. Well, nothing wrong with playing middle if you have a setter that loves you. Oh,
1: yeah. They loved us.
0: Dude, when I play club... We were a
1: middle-driven offense. When know.
0: I play club and I called middles to ask if they want to play with me, they the first thing they ask is, who's setting? <laughs> when I tell them me, they're like, I'm in. Because nice. I love me some middles. No wonder I mm-hmm. get along with you. Not just because you're muscular and cute, but because I set middles. Yes. So freedom why is it freedom
1: okay um so actually i love indoor volleyball and beach volleyball both for different reasons but the freedom part of beach volleyball that i'm referring to there is kind of a double-edged sword um we don't have as much structure when you play professional beach volleyball versus uh, coming from indoor right you don't have a a coach uh scheduling your practices. You don't have a staff uh putting together your film and sessions, booking your flights, planning your competitions. So you have to do everything on your own. Um but it does give you it gives you a lot more flexibility. It gives you freedom. It gives you control. Um, If you're not disciplined though, that can be your downfall. So you're you're not getting a whole lot of help from other people um the oh, there's keep the going one. okay finish. you gotta
0: finish the sentence
1: yes the downside is uh there's no again like there's not much structure and it's it makes it the freedom um makes it a whole lot more challenging right yeah i think
0: the common denominator for someone like you is discipline Mm-hmm. Like if you have discipline, if you have discipline, it, then it is it is freedom. If you but you it, indoor, if you need freedom, where you know you have to be somewhere and play well with others and cooperate and do all that stuff, which mm-hmm. I think, which I think every kid should learn. But once the kid learns and the kid graduates, very much like you, and wants to move on to more to more mature stuff, uh, um, yeah. if you
1: can make a plan and if you have the people abilities to to talk uh yeah, with others and connect and and sorry build build your team around you um then i think you can be successful but it takes it's like running a business it in mm-hmm. it's a one man one man really show is. so it takes a lot of discipline um
0: Well here's yeah. here's how I would i answer answer as a coach and a commentator uh, who has coached both for um, the middle of two and a half decades. I will say it's freedom because when you're trying to do a sales pitch for juniors, there's no, there's no bench on the beach, right? I mean, some, a middle like you, if I'm a guessing man, probably was only in the game for three rotations, right? Because that's how, mm-hmm. from 2001, since the inception of the libero, that's that's kind of how it's been. And I it that. And, and, and I, I hate wanna, it too.
1: I want to do everything on the
0: court. And then, a, any any old school player hates it too because back in the day, middles had to receive serve. In fact, like some it. of the best, the primary passers were, were really good middles. Like yeah. Nygaard was a middle. But he was on server seat, so, so I like the concept of no bench on the beach. I like the concept of people be having be able to solve their own problems instead of running away from your problems, right? Because indoor, you, you know, indoor you can get subbed out, but there's no sub. You there's can't. no sub for the beach. So, so it is it is liberating. But with that liberation comes a great deal of responsibility and discipline. Uh, um, and, and exposure, and and in a way. Yeah, because yeah. people people want that freedom, but you if you have if you have the groundedness and you pursue that freedom it that's where it becomes win-win yes for you right you know so there's certain things that i like about that you know i mean i'm, I'm i i like indoor because i go to a parking lot and my car is clean i leave my car's not sand dusty as hell dude you I know i like the sand yeah, I do just too.
1: bring the beach with you wherever you go yes
0: <laughs> god and i will leave that at that because the way you said that means so many things leave, <laughs> let our audience decide i think I think my nanny's here um Come here for a sec, since you're since you're infiltrating my podcast. God. Oh my God, it's Carly's mini me. <laughs> all right, Braxton, get out of here. I'm on a podcast. I'm on a podcast. No, I'll see you later. Hey, Daddy loves you. Okay, we're almost done. Get out of here before I sell all your toys. Chill. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you just said that on camera on the live <laughs> broadcast. I sell all, your toys. <laughs> all right. So last but not least. Because I, I only said this is going to be an hour, and I ain't trying to keep you here longer than you need to be. Uh, we're going to do sixty-second lightning rounds. So, first thing that comes to your mind, okay? Okay. It's a bunch of them. Okay. So, and this is just for you. I'm not going to answer them with you. Um, so the first one's the most difficult. So I won't start the clock until you actually actually answer it, because this is the one that takes the longest. The best conditioned partner you ever played with.
1: Best conditioned partner. <laughs> you mean like?
0: Yes. Who's in shape? Who can go from bell to bell? Yeah, and, and everyone else is tired and they're just like, ah <laughs> Oh,
1: my gosh. Okay. Who is it? Katie Spieler.
0: Gotcha. Cool. Um, All right, here we go. Who's the... Um, oh, these are just firing Yes, off. the player you look forward to playing the most.
1: To playing the most. April Ross.
0: Nice. Freeze or no freeze? No freeze. Pool or Beach. Beach. Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter. Harry Potter. Ice cream or cupcakes. Ice cream. Your other favorite sport. Ooh. Hmm. There is. isn't. No There's other. so
1: many. I can't choose one.
0: Pick one. First one that came to your mind. These are lightning rounds. What came to your mind first? Go.
1: Uh, basketball.
0: There it goes. Of uh, a ch- favorite uh, childhood sports idol. If you had one. Carrie Walsh. Shakespeare or Scorsese. Shakespeare. Favorite comedian? First one that came to your mind. Might not even be your favorite. Who was it? I'm yanking it out of your head. Who was it? I don't know. No? Okay. Um.
1: Last good no. book you read? Um...
0: She's like, I don't freaking read. No. <laughs> it's like I'm a volleyball player. I'm fighting fires, man. Who got I'm time reading, to read? I'm
1: reading one right now. It's called The Art of Impossible right. by Stephen Kotler and so I'll just say that
0: one cool man I'm reading um Scars and Stripes written by uh, Tim Kennedy he's kind of this Republican space ranger but he's like a a former Green Beret and he's had these little personal projects like he had this this series called Finding Hitler where he flew to Argentina to find like some of the Nazis who retreated you know a trial and this and that um very intriguing guy Uh, um former UFC fighter Um, Lives in this gated community, you know, loves, loves his guns, but loves his people like his, his people, his friends and family even more. And, and um, it's so weird how someone, you know, like some people, some people are divided by political ideologies where, but if you actually sit and talk to someone, God damn, you got you, you, you have more that unite you than divide you and 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 i like that guy so i've been reading his book a little bit the one before that um and i'm not an avid reader i sound like i read all the time i don't reading sucks okay um, <laughs> laura, laura hildebrand um unbroken oh yeah, yeah. they made a movie out I of love that. that book um, i do actually read a lot yeah but... good for you yeah <laughs> i was teasing you i know that i had i asked zolani hodel the same thing come on girl stanford girls read we know that um i recommend um as far as just like reading that's conversation, that's really good. Any book written by John Ridley, he hasn't written any any for a minute, but he wrote um, Stray Dogs, which they made a movie called U Turn. Hmm. Um, he wrote, a, my favorite was Love is a Racket, and the last one is Everybody Smokes in Hell. Um, John Ridley also directed um, uh, 12 Years a Slave. I believe I believe best director and I believe oh, that one wow. that one best picture. But he's had this love hate relationship with Hollywood and you know, for a while he was like kiss my ass but but then you start doing stuff and Hollywood loves you and now he loves Hollywood mm-hmm. back and it's it's very much like volleyball, right? Like, you know, everywhere you go there's gonna be a click, right? And you're like to hell with that click, but then you then you keep you you ignore it and you keep your nose in the work then all, they love you, all of a sudden and, and then, and then you're you like, love the clip ba- you then you, you love, love them, them back. back. It's
1: hard not to love someone yeah. back, yeah. Yeah. If there's any valuable lesson
0: we learn from volleyball and pursuing this as a player like yourself Mm -hmm. and as a coach and a color commentator, um, two important things. And I'll leave this with everybody, but you're going to have the last word. Um, One. Life's not fair. So what? Yep. Things things are not fair, right? Like you can run more stairs than that that person, but they're not letting you in the stair competition to run against them. Yep. Um, So life's not fair. But that's one. Two. If you keep your nose in the work, and if you don't take that fact that life's not fair, kicking and screaming, there's a there's really sweet reward at the end. Mm-hmm. I swear to you, I, I I shit you not. There 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 is a reward in just and a virtue, in just putting your your nose in the work. And if you're driven by passion, if you're a hopeless, if, if you're into that romanticism stuff, your nose in the work is where it's at anyway. So yeah. so um, that's what I wanted to say about that. Something you want to add? To that?
1: I think we all face adversities and, and challenges. Some of us more so than others. I think mm-hmm. there are people who get lucky and uh, don't have to face as much. But... Uh, it's all about how you respond to it and how you choose to deal with it. And I, a lot of times there's two different paths you can go down. One is where you allow those, every tragedy or adversity you face to, to make you stronger and build you and to become a better person from it. And the other is uh, kind of a path of self-sabotage where it just takes you takes you down and you feel victimized and um you just don't don't ever fully recover so um i think the more we can understand that we're not in this life alone that everybody has has challenges and everybody uh i don't know is faced with difficulties at times um and the more we can use them as stepping stones to, to build ourselves up, to become better people and to, to build that kind of resilience and mental fortitude, um, that's ultimately what's going to separate you in the end and lead to success. So like you were talking about, um, keeping your nose in it and sticking with it for the long haul and just understanding that uh it's, then it's gonna be a bumpy ride. Um, but that's, the way it's meant to be. It's not, it's, not, uh, bringing you down. It's building you up.
0: Right. Yeah. I remember KRS-One rapper said, um, "Check your record sales, uh, B. Some some things are pure luck. Other things are meant to be." <laughs> <laughs> I bet they'll mention me in, in the next century. <laughs> um, all right. So, any um, IG handle or website anyone wants to get to know what Carly's been up to, or is that none of their business?
1: Oh, uh, yeah. No, I have an Instagram. My handle is Carly Wopat. Uh, you can't miss me on there. And then I do have a Facebook too, uh, Carly Anela Wopat, I think. Yes. Uh, my Twitter is Carly Wopat. I don't really go on Facebook or Twitter though, just uh, so you all know, as a little yep. notice. But okay. um,
0: She's like, post then ghost, <laughs> 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 boom, <laughs> Not, gone.
1: Uh, I don't like having or having to monitor too many platforms, but they are connected, so a lot of my posts will go out to different Filtered ones, into, them? gotcha. Um, looking into TikTok and getting involved there but yeah those are my platforms i don't
0: know why this thing did that by itself so guys listen carly might love you but i don't love any of you guys in fact i can't stand you so we're out of here so for all of you at home for all of you on your iphones or droids if those still exist for all of you on your desktop who runs the world old school baby for carly wopat right there boom I'm Jason DeBeas. This is episode 150 of the Option Podcast. I'm hitting my music. Stay with me. But for now, we are out of here. See you Come check out the Option Podcast on OptionDB.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports handle. You're going to love what you hear.